Hello and welcome to Home for the Books. I am Jacinta. And I'm Emma. We're a book podcast for everyone, whether you love reading or your idea of a book is a glossy mag, we have recommendations to kickstart your book club. Equal Cut Book Club, Ultimate Reckless, and Catch Up With Your Friends. Yay! I always have this moment of like just waiting in case you forget the line. <laughs> there's always a beat. Because you can you... always like feel the beat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's this like pause of thinking. Well, I was so excited about this one, so I wanted to get it out quickly because <laughs> we're doing celebrity memoirs, which is such a cool topic. Oh, my God, I'm so excited. I can't believe it's taken us a while to get to – I think every time that we come up with a new theme, I'm like, oh, my God, how have we not already talked about this? Well, this was actually quite hard because I realised that I actually talked a lot about my favourite celebrity memoirs or, like, biographies in previous episodes. So I think we've, like, speckled them – throughout a couple of other episodes. Well, now I'm really intrigued. You have to give a shout out to the ones that you've already talked about that related to other themes. Oh, so yeah. We'll also know what ones to keep an eye out. Good for. point. Well, my ultimate mm-hmm. is Kitchen Confidential by Anthony Bourdain. What a book. <laughs> I still haven't read it. Oh, no, do you know what you should do? You should listen to the audiobook. That's right. Wait. He reads it and it's incredible. Okay. He read it years before he even died, which... Is. I mean, you would hope he didn't read it after he died. That <laughs> would be yeah. some kind of fucked up technology. <laughs> like, I don't think you needed to qualify that. Well, I mean, celebrity culture, they're doing some weird things with some True. projections and holograms. And holograms, and exactly. So, oh my God, wait, would never next put it past them? Like, <coughs> you know how they're doing deep fakes with videos? Is there going to be like oh God, that's so scary. an entire deep fake of an audio book where they've just, I feel like that's going to be a frontier. You and know? that would be pretty easy because you could isolate their voice and kind of work it out. I feel like that wouldn't actually be that hard and then they could make like so much money off of it. Isn't that scary? Deep fakes give me the chills. Like, they freak me out. I know. They make no, me so nervous. Because how the fuck are we supposed to ever trust Yeah, exactly. Then every, we see <laughs> Everything again. is fake. Yeah. Exactly. Well, hopefully yes, yes, none of these books have been <laughs> created by an AI robot or something. Jeez. <laughs> I don't even know why we started talking about this. <laughs> it's all, I mean, anything goes with celebrity culture, right? Totally. Well-known people. It's a weird ass world. <laughs> um, okay, well, moving on from deep fakes, um, <laughs> what is your first book? Well, my first book, I said this was quite a cliched one, but I don't... You did. I don't know now. <laughs> Maybe not. But I feel like <laughs> it's quite a popular book. It's Just Kids by Patti Smith. Classic that I have not read That's and is sitting I mean. on my bedside table ready to go. <gasps> I mean, it's been sitting on my bedside table ready to go for approximately three years, but <laughs> it's still there, so... <laughs> You've got to pick... And the fact that you have already, you have to pick it up. Okay. I, oh, I just have read mine so many times. It's probably one of the most beautiful poetic books, let alone memoirs, I've ever read. It's so good. I love this. Yeah. And everyone, it does get raved about, like, it's regularly on top lists of not only celebrity memoirs, but, like, music memoirs. Totally. Um, which we've discussed many a time. <laughs> yeah. Fought with terrible <laughs> books in that genre. Exactly. It's um, so hard to actually find a good one. But this to, like nail it in every category exactly well I think part of the reason is also because it's instead of a story of say success or like a 
a crazy career that we usually get from musicians or something. It's more of a story of friendship and the special bond between obviously the writer, poet, rock star, punk icon, Patti Smith and Robert Maplethorpe, her best friend, the legendary photographer and boundary-pushing artist. So it really briefly goes across their success. It more focuses on their time in New York City when they're struggling, trying to make it as artists, dirt poor. The first couple of months of arriving in New York City, I think Patty details how she was homeless and like sleeping in Central Park on stoops or on the subway. They were both relying on dumpster diving and kindness of strangers for food. Like it was pretty rough and even the first descriptions of their first apartments and meals and stuff are pretty brutal. So it sounded quite rough. And I guess that whole era, that whole especially in New York City, like the East and West Villages. It was such a fruitful kind of creative scene where all the same kind of people were coming out of it. They were all very poor. They were all like similarly struggling artists. Um, Yeah. And that's actually really interesting because there's names that pop up that you're familiar with, maybe helped them along their careers or they passed in well-known places. It's very interesting. Isn't it so weird when you're like their casual name drop is like, Oh. Aretha Franklin not that it is but like as an example <laughs> they're like you know just Aretha and I and you're like yeah what the fuck okay well, sure. in this one it's all I casually like <coughs> wrote Janis Joplin a song and she loved it and incorporated it and I was like what oh. excuse me yeah you're like oh ridiculous no just a fucking icon yeah yeah no worries but I think what I mean the fact that they don't go into when they actually hit it big or Like, even released any, like, this was all before she even released her album. It's so focused on their relationship and their friendship when she met, obviously, when she met Robert Maplethorpe and they kind of saw in each other kindred spirits. And they quickly entered into a relationship and moved in, obviously. But it doesn't last because Robert is clearly struggling with his identity as a gay man as well. So, right. But what was really beautiful is how they both encouraged each other to become the artists they ended up being so Patty always pushed Robert to photography which would in the end make him successful and she was always his first muse and subject which is really sweet and Robert always encouraged Patty to sing and put her poetry to music and he was always in the front row in the crowd which is which is really <laughs> lovely it's such a beautiful story full so of wholesome. like it's palpable the love and affection it kind of radiates off the page they had such a special and and I guess complicated bond that I guess produced some stunning images and stunning art and yeah the world gets to enjoy it now (laughs) so good and also I really love like to your point that like a lot of memoirs um particularly like celebrity or music memoirs um they're so chronological and they're very like success based of mm. like you're just almost waiting for that moment when they totally. make totally yeah so this is really refreshing that it's taken a bit of a different angle <laughs> yeah. but you do kind of see the formation of that punk and rock scene in New York City at that time which is incredible a cool thing to be able to get um yeah insight into exactly so there's stories of the Chelsea Hotel CBGB's and Max's Kansas City like Robert's obsession with Andy Warhol and all of that like it's all it chronicles all of those friends and musicians that came up with that whole scene which is a kind of a crazy period and one that will never be repeated in that respect so 
is really and cool. To get that like that peek behind the curtains almost of yeah. those kinds of eras feels exactly. so magical for that reason of yeah. like we can't physically go back to that time. We can never exist in that time. But mm. this gives you some kind of time traveling ability to at least understand a little bit of the intimacy of what it was like. Totally. Intimacy is such a great word to describe it as because the way she writes, there's like a vulnerability and like you say, an intimacy and you really feel like you're there. I will also say I read the book, but I also listened to the audio book, which is really beautiful, hearing it from her own voice, especially because she's always been a poet and a writer underneath all of the other art and music. And you can, like, in her voice, you can hear the love and affection she has for Robert. It's really beautiful. And every time she mimics Robert saying her name, it's almost like in a teasingly, sheepishly voice. It's like a (sighs) jolt to the system. It's so evocative and you can... Imagine him saying it just like that. It's really, it's really moving because I'm not sure. I mean, this isn't a spoiler. Eventually, Robert dies of AIDS at the end of the 80s. So there's something really poignant and heartbreaking, I guess, about the story as well because they're so young and full of promise and she's telling this story of their friendship. But you kind of know how it ends up, which is really sad. But it's a really beautiful book. I hope you pick it up. It sounds incredible. Yeah, I'm going to bump that up my list priority. Definitely. And even if like a whole book of this kind of thing doesn't interest you, at least go listen to Horses by Patti Smith or something, her first album. Yes, yeah, 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 I mean, classic. Because it's like it's so much of her poetry from this period has been brilliantly put to music in that respect. Because she doesn't talk about any of her music very much. Only the beginnings right. of the formation of the band. Which feels like almost quite a selfless way of writing a memoir. That yeah. it feels dedicated to a friendship. Almost like you're dedicating it to another person instead of it being focused solely on you. I yeah. really love that. And like it clearly speaks to how special that friendship was. That they fostered each other's creativity and creative explorations. So sort of that idea that they wouldn't have existed in the way they do without the other. Yeah, it's exactly that. that. They really... They really wouldn't be the people that they became or produced the art that they did if it weren't for each other and, I guess, their encouragement. So it's a really beautiful way to do a memoir because, like you said, it's not about individual achievements. At the heart of it, it's about friendship um, and a special bond. So I guess that's why it's had – I mean, it's written beautifully, obviously, but I Mm. guess that heart is why it's had so much acclaim over the years. It's and very continues. Like it's still held up as like an oh, example of a phenomenal memoir. Totally. Yeah. So mm. I need everyone to read it or listen to horses. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, either or you're not going wrong. <laughs> exactly. So that is kind of a bit of a cliche one, but I, I figured I had to pick it. For a cliche recommendation, I think. Exactly. None of these weird ass off the beaten track ones from me again. <laughs> 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 How about you? What's your first one? Um, I think I've referenced or alluded to this book before in earlier episodes, but I don't think I've properly like recommended it. Um, okay. It's You Got Anything Stronger by Gabrielle Union. I, I love yeah. Gabrielle Union. I know. Fucking hero. What um, an icon. Ugh, like just from Bring It On Days onwards, just, yeah, amazing. I mean, shout out to that movie. I know she's done some incredible things after it, but that was trailblazing. I mean, it was incredible. Also, she speaks about that movie in the book, though, about 
like stuff. behind like, the scenes stuff. It's not a movie that's aged well, I wouldn't say, in terms of like its core concept around like them culturally appropriating slash stealing the work of black women and taking credit for it and then the black women being like, Oh, it's fine, like you take it. But anyway. I guess they kind of explored that quite early on before people were even talking about appropriation. Ish, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I'd be so um, fascinated to see what, what her, her actual it. opinions are, yeah. Yeah, um, but I listened to this as an audiobook and really loved it. That's such a good yeah. idea. Yeah, her voice is incredible. Like, she obviously speaks so well. I think when you work in the entertainment industry – your ability to narrate an audiobook is just next level. <laughs> yeah, um, like those classic performers, like you can tell. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and like similar to what you were saying, like hearing that emotion in someone's voice mm. when they're speaking about personal experience in particular, it's so unparalleled and it gives you it gives you so much more than if you're just reading words on a page in your own voice. Oh, totally, um, yes. Particularly when they're talking about really tricky topics. Um, I found that much more emotional and impactful listening to her talk about it than just me reading it. Um, yeah, there's like an there's an extra element. There's like an extra impact, isn't there? Yeah, exactly. Like it make it takes it a bit deeper. Mm. Um, so this is her second memoir. Her first one came out in 2017 called "We're Going to Need More Wine." I haven't actually even read that book, but this one basically picks up from where that book ended. Oh, cool. I I actually Um, love both those titles. They're great. (laughs) Yeah, they're so good. And they work so well together, right? Like, it's so clever. (laughs) Um, But I would, I don't know, I just, I think the thing I loved the most about this book is how open and vulnerable and honest it was, particularly from a celebrity or someone in the public eye. Mm. Um, I think that often they give a very sanitized version or a very high level take of like, you know, we did this in this year and whatever. Totally. Um, And not just raw and vulnerable from like a oh I lived a wild life and did a bunch of drugs which I think is the only other kind (laughs) of honest memoir I've ever read from a celebrity but this was like she just shares so many aspects of her life like she talks about her really complicated um journey to motherhood um she ended up having they ended up having to go through surrogacy her husband and her um, because she like had so many miscarriages and she speaks about that. She speaks about her husband cheating on her. Oh shit. Wow. Like she speaks about a lot and it's so, but she does it in the most open and, um, impressively mature way possible. Oh wow. Um, it makes Gabrielle Union feel relatable, which is the most insane <laughs> sentence I've ever said. Like the most beautiful woman ever. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, we're totally like beautiful, her. Yeah. Talented. And you listen and you're like, oh my god, yeah, I understand that experience. And you're like, what the fuck? Like, how can I relate to Gabrielle Union? Like, yeah. she's an icon. Um, and I think that that's a pretty huge talent as a celebrity to make your memoir feel inclusive and not this like exclusionary other world vibe of excess and riches I don't know you can tell that she's so much more than that as a person I think from reading or listening to this book yeah such a good point that's so admirable especially in I guess this celebrity culture now which can be so like you said, sanitized and airbrushed for actually someone to come out and say, this happened, this is what it was like, is kind of yeah. radical. It's kind of 
unheard of often totally and it's kind of like her also reflecting back on her life experiences and analyzing them through the lens of her age now and you know her experience now Mm. so she does talk about yeah bring it on and some behind the scenes stuff and her view on the movie um and the topic and yeah her experiences on that movie but like i think she also speaks more broadly to um, race and sexism, like racism and sexism in the entertainment industry. Oh, and she would have experienced Obviously, so much about that, yeah. Yeah, not a great industry oh, on either front. Totally. Um, so she does, like, reference that, um, you know, in a few permanent kind of parts of the book. But it's just honestly this um, incredible book, even if you don't know who she is, <laughs> I don't think it matters. It's a book that just covers, like, the dark and the light of life regardless of who you are I think there's the layer obviously of her having to live a life like this under the public eye Mm. under public scrutiny everyone knowing everything about her um so that's unrelatable (laughs) but everything else just feels so human yeah I think it's a book that speaks power to vulnerability and I think that that's the thing that she absolutely nails in this book and that I loved I listened to it in like two sittings basically because I just wanted to know more oh gosh that's a skill as well and yeah I feel like an audiobook is a good way to do it because I just want to have her voice gently like rock me just right oh my god like (laughs) if she released like a meditation app oh stunning dreams good idea Actually, I feel like I should creepily like slide into her DMs and be like, if you ever want to do a meditation hour, I would like totally pay to listen to that. That yeah. sounds so creepy now that I say it out loud. But, I mean, you've you got know, two customers already. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you think yeah. she'll parlay into um, like talk shows and more that kind of thing, like showing more of herself? Because I feel like everything you're saying, I feel like that would suit her very well. That's true, actually. I mean, <clears throat> she wrote and writes and directs. Oh, cool. One of the shows that she's on with Jessica Alba, creating a workplace basically and a job that she could do um, while having a kid and raising a kid, mm, that's which I thought was also too, really yeah. interesting, just like... In Hollywood, um, God. Also, side note, Jessica Alba, what a mogul, God. Oh, my God, yeah, because she also has, like, doesn't like she have, like, a billion beauty dollar, line or yeah. something? A baby. Or, like, a clothing line? It's for babies. It's, that's right. And it's, like, oh worth God, billions of dollars or something. Yeah, something like that. Oh, my God, why <laughs> does my brain remember this random <laughs> shit? I know. So oh, yeah, That's probably so from good. a magazine. <laughs> An article I read like 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah. She's actually done really well. Like I'm, yeah, it's it's kind of impressive. What a, yeah, what a way to diversify your portfolio. Impressive. When I think celebrities that have branched out, I always think of Gwyneth. I was going to say create goop. goop. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it has a bad connotation where you're yeah. like, ugh, goop. Yeah. But this, I'm like, yeah, no. Just like flies under the radar. Billion totally. That's Even incredible. like the way Reese Witherspoon is doing all her <coughs> producing oh, and yeah, yeah, and all her book clubs and stuff. That's quite cool as well. And I mean, also, what an incredible niche from Reese Witherspoon to find basically to find books written by women and turn them into um, TV shows and movies. Like, buddy, oh, 
I'm not complaining. Yeah, it's it's been incredible so far. Speaking of which, very excited for um, Where the Crawdads Sing movie to come out. Oh, yeah, I saw the um, trailer. It actually looks really good. I know. (laughs) Still on the fence about Daisy Edgar-Jones. Still don't think that was a good casting choice. Pissed that they picked a very generic, very skinny boring girl agree like, she's a very good actress there's so many other people unknowns i think that would have been better in that role well that's what my problem with <coughs> people was as well <laughs> like yeah i don't understand please be in something that we can accept you in us <laughs> i know i know <laughs> totally um we need to talk about conversations with friends at another time as well the tv show adaption oh my god of course watched it and also one that you hate um everything (laughs) i know about love (laughs) oh my god get out that's one of my other recommendations i was going to recommend it next episode as my other because the tv show really good oh yeah you watched it no i haven't but don't you hate that fucking hate the book despise (laughs) the book tv show really good <coughs> it translates so it should have just been a fucking screenplay. Because that really happens. That's so It should have just been a script. Make it a TV show. But I guess this drummed up more interest. And some people loved that book, but I thought it was a piece of shit. Um, wow. Oh my gosh. Okay. Really not holding back. Um, <laughs> Can't wait to hear more about it next time. But the TV show, yeah, really loved it. Also, interesting. Fair warning. Yeah. Was in an epic COVID fog when I watched it. So take my recommendation with a pinch of salt. You would have like watched anything and been like, "Thank God, I just need to be distracted." I was probably staring at a wall, being like, "Oh my God, my brain hurts." Yeah, this TV show is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing's happened for three hours. How abstract. Earth. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it was good. No guarantees. So cool. Um, what is your second recommendation? Oh yeah, so I have definitely mentioned this book before, um, <laughs> but I'm glad I get to speak about it a bit more because it's one that I love. It's The Vanity Fair Diaries by Tina Brown. Oh my god, you've definitely talked about this before. Yes, I know. It's one of my favourite um, I guess guilty, guilty pleasure beach read ones. Love it. So, yes, it is, I guess, equal parts gossip column, industry insider, <laughs> and fantasy dream world. Because it's honestly, it's a period of time where magazines are king and the industry was thriving. So, Tina Brown kept a diary throughout her time as editor-in-chief of Vanity Fair from 1984 to 1992. So I think she wrote everything down from her first day in New York City. It's pretty impressive and it's the period where she turned around the magazine from a Vogue insert to one of the most profitable and sought-after magazines in the world. Wait, is is, that how Vanity Fair started? It was a Vogue insert? Well, in the 20s and 30s, it was a super popular, profitable magazine, but then it died down and it just became like a couple of pages of insert in Vogue. And then in 1984, they did this whole massive relaunch and Tina Brown was part of... It actually didn't go very well for a couple of years, but she was part of the reason why it completely turned around and became a household name again, wow. which is kind of crazy because she was super young. She was a female. She was not from America. She's from the UK. And she created this whole idea of highbrow, lowbrow entertainment and culture side by side. 
I mean, it's so weird when that's such an ingrained, like that feels so normal because totally. that's what we grew up with. But yes. to think that someone had to innovate and create that <laughs> as a concept feels so unusual. Oh my gosh, people were outraged. She <laughs> details all of it. It's crazy. I mean, honestly, the name drops alone in this book are incredible and entertaining for anyone who's as nosy <laughs> or curious as me. Well, I think particularly like magazine world level oh, name drops because it's exactly. not, it's like, Photo shoots, interviews, <laughs> yeah. plus networking and parties and stuff that you would be able to go to in a professional capacity. Totally. And it's at like the absolute peak of this industry where they were just throwing money at anything. Like it's, it honestly feels like a fantasy world. <laughs> like it feels unreal. And what also makes it interesting is while I wouldn't normally gravitate towards a book that's written completely in diary entries, it actually really worked for this and I ended up loving it because I guess the first person diary entry is very biased obviously but it does give you this sense of it's happening right now there's no hindsight or nostalgia or revisionist history it just feels very refreshing and very current almost like an unfiltered unbiased version like obviously that she would have gone back and edited and whatever yeah but like to the fact that yeah you're right it's her thoughts and feelings from those exact times exactly. that these things were happening feels so unique, like a little time capsule. Exactly. It's exactly what she felt at that exact moment. You felt like you were right there with her in the middle of all the chaos. It's it's wild. <laughs> well, that, like, must help with the pace and the tension oh, and that, like, yes. page-turner kind of a mentality when you're like, holy shit, how is this going to end up? Exactly, because it's, it's just, I mean, obviously she's a brilliant journalist and writer, so it is gripping in that way as well but this form just makes it so much more interesting and different and she's allergic to alcohol so she remembers everything (laughs) yeah so while everyone else was drunk around her she's like writing everything down and observing like a classic journalist you would not want to be the drunk person at her party (laughs) yeah exactly worst nightmare because I forget everything when I've been drinking so I would be like fuck what does she remember but she used to get people screaming at her being really mad at her for what was written (laughs) and like their their hijinks and what they got up to and people used to get really mad which was quite funny and there's a lot of stuff like that she actually has a story where trump is really mad about an op-ed and he tips a glass of like whatever he was drinking down the journalist's back at a fancy (gasps) dinner and everyone is just like, what the hell? Like, Look, I'm glad he really grew out of those temper tantrums. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> glad he didn't Run for become president. in charge of the free world. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess yeah. what she, I also found helpful is she writes an introduction before all her diary entries. Um, and she really sets the stage for what society was like in, I guess, the mid-80s, particularly America and New York City and the incredible wealth that was consuming the city while economic poverty and I guess those gaps were gaping and were increasing so much more. It just felt like a completely different world and it was this really interesting dichotomy while she was up on like (laughs) in midtown Manhattan spending like thousands and thousands of dollars on dinners alone. I guess Just Kids was happening down in the East Village and yeah. West Village. Like, it, it was really Dumpster interesting. diving for dinner first. Exactly. Of dollars on dinner. Yeah. yeah. So it is fun as a bit of escapism, which is why I call it a great 
beach raid. Um, but there's also like a because I guess people didn't think she would she had ever she'd ever like make it work. When I think she when she made it to Condé Nast, she said it was like ancient Rome with all the politics and secrets revolving around like this one important emperor and no one could get anything done and it really struggled for a couple of years. Um, but I guess she and her team kept at it and it was in a way that was really admirable. I think what made a difference is she really led with good writing and valued writers and actually paid them what they were worth, which is so rare. I know. It just does not happen again. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was a really (laughs) different. And so I guess good journalism always being the baseline is what turned it around. And you get these really incredible snapshots of her championing certain writers and especially women, and which is quite cool. But I was constantly on a Wikipedia deep dive with all the with all the people she was constantly name dropping. You're like, who is this? It's like when you watch The Crown or a show, like exactly. a historical fiction yeah. kind of show, and you're like, who is this person? You go down a rabbit hole. How like, a, are they related? I've to this never person? heard of any of these people, but God, it's a fascinating story. Like, it's wild. That would be a podcast. You could do a podcast. Oh. Where you literally just unpack oh my all of the people that were like iconic in eighties New York. You could only do like one page an episode. Like it's that it's that <laughs> much name dropping. It's insane. Jesus. <laughs> that sounds amazing. She socialized with all those kind of literary yeah. icons like Nora Ephron yeah. and Joan Didion, Diana Vreeland, oh Gloria Steinem. <gasps> she talks about a lot. She has a lot of opinions on Kurt Vonnegut's hair, which is very funny. Um, and then she has a lot of feuds so she has this constant run-in with Oscar de la Renta and a very passive aggressive relationship with Jackie O which is very funny and she's in the middle of a feud with Ralph Lauren and Calvin Klein like it's the stories are wild it's really weird there's like this I want to read it for the drama alone oh it's really it's top notch there's this dinner party that she goes to this really intimate dinner party at someone's house where there's all these crazy people like Angelica Houston with Jack Nicholson when they were oh dating, God. Warren Beatty, Jack Lemon, Candace Bergen, Joan Collins. Like it's Jesus, like all around who? this one table. Yeah. And they're just freely speaking in front of the editor of Vanity Fair. Like obviously she's going to write about this. Like what are you doing? <laughs> it's wild. And oh she, also, she also has a very funny bit about Boris Johnson, who she calls <laughs> when she met for the first time in the 80s at Oxford an epic shit. <laughs> so she had a very good read on both Donald Trump and Boris Johnson from the very beginning. So, <laughs> Also, how have they never made a TV show out of this? Well, I when I was doing my research for this, which kind of makes me a bit mad, um, they're developing a TV show about her and Anna Wintour because during her tenure at Vanity Fair and she later on edited The New Yorker, um, Anna Wintour joined Vogue actually on her recommendation. So she found Andre Leon Talley and Anna Wintour. Um, But I think they're going to pose it as like a rivalry, which... No, that's such a bullshit cliche of like woman against woman. Exactly. Like... Yeah. There's so many other rich elements of these stories that could be oh, looked at. Completely agree. Like, and like she doesn't turning, even there's nothing yeah. there in the book that suggests there's they're just the only two women at the helm of big magazines. Yeah, that's all it would be. Yeah. But- Hopefully they maybe change the concept a little bit because that period in the late eighties and early nineties where both those women were at the top of these magazines and they were making the most money that 
those magazines had ever made is fascinating and a really important story. And that in and of itself is a story. Exactly, yeah. So this is a pretty incredible, crazy book that I just love and is, I wouldn't call it a guilty pleasure, but it's a fun kind of romp. (laughs) A romp is the perfect way of describing it. It's like, yeah, a name dropper sentence kind of thing. It's entertaining and fun. And just, I guess, like I said, feels like a different world. So that's fun, I guess, in itself as well. So, yeah, it's The Vanity Fair Diaries by Tina Brown. Oh, such a good one. And I still need to add that one to my list too. I do love Tina Brown. I really do. How about you? What's your next one? Also one I think I've talked about before. Oh, my God, I love this. That just reiterates how good they are. Yeah. Soz for not bringing any new freshness to this episode. (laughs) Um, I'm talking about the book Dear Girls, Intimate Tales, Untold Secrets and Advice for Living Your Best Life by Ali Wong. Oh, another you... incredible woman. Yeah, right. You've have you read her memoir, like this book? No, I haven't read it. I've only watched her stand-up specials. Are they anything oh. like them? Yeah, Snort laughed multiple times reading. The book. Um, like I read it a while ago, and I still smile every time I think about that book. Oh my gosh, um, I love it. But also, I feel like she can do no wrong. Like all of her Netflix comedy specials are good because she's got what three now? They're all amazing. Yeah. yeah. Her I, rom-com, Always Be My Maybe, oh, so fuck, good. is such a good rom-com. Totally agree. bit sad that she is divorcing her husband. <gasps> what? I know. What? Yes, I know. Googling Ali Wong. I know. Divorce. I mean, there was part of me when... She says she talks a lot of shit about him. And all <laughs> she talks that. a lot of shit about him. But I, was it her last Netflix special where I was like, mm. it seemed like things <laughs> were not great. Yeah. Yeah. The writing was on the wall a little bit. A How little bit. I miss this? I know. It's really sad. I really. Oh, yeah, she joked about leaving him in a Netflix comedy special and how bored she was like having sex <laughs> with him or whatever, I think. And so it's like, also. She is on fire, like career wise. She could get oh, yeah. anyone. So sorry if that puts a different spin on her. <laughs> oh, no, I just had no idea that that was happening. Holy shit. Yeah, shocked, not shocked. Um, no, so the book, I think one of the things I love most about this book is she's written it as a series of letters and life lessons to pass on to her two daughters. Oh, what a beautiful idea. Um, so it's almost like, I guess, similar to the um, diary entry with the Tina Brown book. Like it's a similar concept where, yeah. um, you know, there's sort of a theme or a topic for each chapter and she writes sort of a combination of her advice, but her experiences and, um, you know, her stories and what she went through. Um, so it's like oh, this really this. lovely mix of like heartwarming, but obviously very funny. Like I said, snort laughed multiple times. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so there's like some delightful, hilarious stories, but yeah, like these really heartwarming moments, these really sweet kind of memories, um, which is the kind of, I feel like it must encapsulate what I imagine parenthood to be. Like yeah. you know, she talks about all of the struggles, but there's so many lovely moments of warmth and joy. Oh, wow. And to um, do that with a sense of humor, like that right? is kind of what sets it apart. That's a beautiful way to approach everything. That is, 100%. That can be, I guess, so difficult growing up and navigating the world. Um, yeah. So that's kind of an ideal advice or self-help book. <laughs> yes. And I think I loved it because it was such a novel way of also 
um, like just structuring the book, like the mm. layout and the structure of it wasn't just chronological of like I did this and then I did this. Yes. It was her talking about her life but in a way that didn't feel um, completely self-centered and conceited in the sense of like it was just about her. Yeah, it is true. That's a really good way to, to do it. Totally. And I think, I mean, no one is more of an expert in – um, unfiltered thoughts and sharing than <laughs> Ali Wong and so like obviously this book is amazing oh my god I would line. love to get my hands on the first draft can oh you imagine <laughs> yes all the and stuff the she had to cut out well, yeah. that her editor would have probably put <laughs> yeah. on there would be epic what a dream yeah yeah so she kind of talks about all of the big parts of life like she talks about the wisdom she's learned from you know her life in comedy um particularly like you know becoming a stand-up comic and all of the shit she had to put up with during that phase of her oh life God, yeah. and almost like wanting to give up before that first Netflix Netflix special landed and then when it did her career completely blew up oh wow because that's quite that's quite recent isn't it relatively yeah, in her all, career the first one was maybe like 2016 ish to be I guess to be grafting for that long like that would really yeah. take it out of you that's tough and I think it was that kind of thing of like, fuck, like, do I have it in me yeah. to keep going? Yeah. But, you know, she also talks about reconnecting with her roots, being a wild child in San Fran. She has some funny ass stories about growing up in San Fran. Oh, my God, Jerry. You have to read it. Um, oh, I want to you know, so bad. <clears throat> all of the, like, explicit gory stories of being a parent that she talks <laughs> about in her comedy special is in there um it's just such such a good blend of funny and sincere and heartfelt that honestly like if you're wanting just like a fun but warm book to read this is it I just love the concept of like to her daughters it's so beautiful and so it's that concept of like here's the things you need to know in life yeah um like that handbook of life 101 yeah exactly Um, based on Ali Wong's lived experience and it is bloody great (laughs) oh my god Um, dream I love her okay I'm putting that on my list what is your non-book recommendation oh yeah so I have recently been watching a new tv show called loot I'm not sure oh. if you've heard of this. I have not heard of it. You always come up with shows I've <laughs> never heard of and I love it. It's I hopefully it gets a bit more popular because it's so it stars Maya Rudolph. My um, favorite. And it's also very, join her cult. Exactly. It's a very funny comedy. Oh my god, it's another fucking Apple TV show. Jacinta. Oh no. You need like a freaking <laughs> Apple TV intervention. Oh my god. See, they, it's like the only shows time. you ever recommend. Oh my god, every time I want to cancel my <coughs> subscription, they pull me back. <laughs> like I <laughs> cannot stop. It's ridiculous. I love it. The premise is really cool. So it's essentially the fictionalized story of Mackenzie Scott who was Jeff Bezos's <gasps> ex-wife Bezos's, yeah it's the classic jilted first wife she gets cheated on by her f- husband of 30 years they were together through college got married when they were really young and unsuccessful with no prenup helps build oh. the company raises their family then is cheated on and gets half the money Fuck and yeah, also deserved because that career would never have happened without the free labour e- she provided. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And she decides to rediscover her foundation with all of it and donate, start donating her money to charity. So 
it's this kind of ridiculous concept which has actually happened in real life, which is the craziest part of all out of all of it. But I guess it's exaggerated. So billionaire Molly is played by Maya Rudolph, but she's an exaggerated version of like a stuck-up rich person who needs to, I guess, come down to her roots and remember who she is and that kind of thing and helping people get back on track in that respect as well. But it's really, it's a really funny show. There's mesmerising, you can tell they threw a lot of money on it. There's mesmerising landscapes and clothes and houses and even great music. It's such a fun show. I'm loving it so far. And, yeah, I'll watch anything with Maya Rudolph. So that's loot on Apple. I'm sorry. It's on Apple TV. (laughs) (laughs) So if you've been going to cancel your subscription, hold off. There's another one. I know. Every time. Every bloody time. (laughs) Fuck you, Ted Lasso. (laughs) Hopefully yours is a bit more accessible. What are you thinking? Oh, mine is definitely accessible. Okay, good. Um, I felt like I couldn't not talk about this. Um, I'm recommending a song. This week. Um, Break My Soul by Beyonce. Oh, my God. Incredible. I, like, literally squealed when I realised it. Because she updated her Instagram bio to, like, explain (laughs) that Renaissance. But it just says Renaissance and, like, the end of, like, the date that it's coming out, which is her new album. So you could, like, you could feel something was afoot. Something important was coming. But then (laughs) she updated it spontaneously to Break My Soul. And it was, like, the date and the time it was coming out and everyone lost their collective minds (laughs) and then it came out and everyone still lost their collective minds because it's incredible oh my god i'm like dancing yeah exactly i've been listening to it on fucking repeat since she released it it keeps coming on at the supermarket while i'm in the supermarket how can a supermarket afford to play beyonce i'm like literally dancing in the aisles like it's such (laughs) a good song so into this you know you're getting older when the supermarket songs are slapping (laughs) like that it's happened to me so many times. I'm like, fuck yeah, I love this song. And I'm like, oh no. My parents used to talk about loving the song to this day. Oh my god, why do they constantly play Fleetwood Mac? I swear to God, it's I just mean, on a loop. Classic. <laughs> yeah, just obsessed with the like dance EDM vibe. It's very she different, partnered. I feel like. Yeah, she partnered with um some really cool artists who are huge in the queer like music scene to oh, do cool. the song. Um, and it, she dropped it during Pride Month, which feels special. <laughs> yeah. Um, perfect pump up, like bop of a tune. You know, you want to feel good and empowered and have a little sing along. This is it. Um, that was so fun. That was so fun. Love this topic. Very. Hey, I feel like it spurred a lot of emotions from us. A lot of. A lot of a lot of side notes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so many tangents. Yeah. <laughs> That's when you know it's good. The tangents. Yes. The tangents are important. Exactly. Bye. Happy reading. Enjoy celebrity memoirs. Thanks for listening. And I don't know. um, Chat to you next time. Yeah.